So how is everybody doing this morning? Oh, hope you guys had a better week than me. I decided to see how bad I could break my car, so that didn't work out. Well, actually, if that's what I was trying to accomplish, it worked out very well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have a feeling the red HHR will be no more. So turns out if you hit a rock hard enough on the bottom, you can just break the oil pan and transmission pan. And then when it proceeds to run out of oil because you didn't realize you'd do it, it could potentially cause some more damage. So I don't know. We'll find out. See how that uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want you guys to pray that they total it or, or pray that there's no further damage. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Well, you guys ready to continue on in our series of who we are as a church here at Living Hope Family Church? We have today and next week left, and we've gone through the, I think, 10 weeks of who we are as a church. So um, remember last week we talked about the, the kind of the, 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 the core message of who we are, our, our mission statement, if you will, is to evangelize, equip, and empower. And last week we talked about evangelization and the importance of, of sharing the gospel with those who have never heard about Jesus. This is weird. I've got to cover more ground when I talk now. It's wider. What do you guys, do you guys like the, the new layout? I like it. Therefore, it is weird. I've got to scan wider. Hallelujah. You guys are distracting me. Where was I at? We are, if they don't receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're making a grave mistake that if they don't change their mind before they die, then they're going to spend eternity away from God. The idea of hell is the, is the reality, is a time spent away from God, is eternity away from God. And I, I often think about that. What would that be like? Because the Bible describes it in a lot of ways. It talks about it, the, a place of outer darkness. It talks about it as a lake of fire. No matter how it talks about it, it's not a good place to be, amen? And I begin to think, what would happen if you were just left to your own mind? Even if God wasn't away, has anybody ever sat in a very dark place, like shut the door in a, in a dark closet and just sat there? And you ever see what your mind does? And you still have God. It's just dark. They have... Uh, uh, one of the, the studies that I was watching, I think done in Russia, where they were doing um, uh, audio deprivation of people, and it literally drove people mad um, for, for having audio deprivation, being completely alone, no outside, um, no light, no audio, no external influence. They were completely alone, and it was driving, it literally drove people crazy. And that's better than hell. And the reality is, is if we don't share with people, then it should break our hearts that people are choosing to go there. Now, the reality is, is that God doesn't send anybody to hell. He's given everybody an opportunity. He's given everybody a choice. But one of our purposes as a church is to share the gospel, to evangelize, to share, so people don't have to, to end up making that choice or ending up in that place, that they can spend eternity with God. Because that's the reality is that the, the gospel is not telling people they're going to hell, but instead telling people that They've been made brand new, that they're loved, that they can have a new life, that they've been forgiven, that they're free, they're holy. That's the good news, and that's what we're called to share with people. But after we've introduced people to the Lord, it's actually imperative that we don't stop there. The reality is, is that the American church is pretty good at making converts, or pretty awful at making disciples. Equipping is part of discipleship. What we're going to be talking about today, our mission statement is to evangelize, which is to share the gospel with those who have never heard it or those who have never received it, 
to equip is to build the saints up and then to empower, which is the last part, is to send them out into the world to fulfill God's calling on their life. And the truth is, is that everybody has a calling. Every single person in this room, your, your calling is not just to come to church on Sunday. God has a plan and a purpose for your life prepared to do what God has called you to do, and that's where the equipping part comes in. And as a church, that is our role and responsibility is to build up to equip everybody who comes in here. The equipping is part of being a disciple. Actually, as a disciple, everybody in this room should be seeking out being equipped because that is your responsibility as well. But as a church, our goal is to walk with one another, to encourage one another, to lift one another up, to spend time building one another up so that we can perform and accomplish the things that God has asked us to do in this life. One of the things that so many people seem to think, whether they consciously think it or just subconsciously, is that the the work of the gospel is just to be left to pastors or to the evangelists or the people that go around and do it for a living. But the truth is, is that that's not what the Bible says. The Bible calls all of us to go out and make disciples, all of us to share the gospel. And Jesus was the perfect example of that. If you look at Jesus' life when he first started, he, 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 he leaves, he heads out, and he sees some of the disciples are out there fishing. And what does he do? He walks up to him and says, follow me. He begins, he walks up to him. He shows them something they'd never seen before. And then he says, follow me. Why did he ask them to follow him? Because they needed to be trained. They needed to be equipped to do the work that they were called. The 12, the 12 apostles they had an incredible job ahead of them. And they had to be trained to do what God called them to do. They had to walk with them to see the things that they saw so they could be ready because as we know, in the end, they were scattered. They were defeated. They were broken. It wasn't until Jesus rose again from the dead when they finally had their eyes open fully and they began to, to rally around Jesus again. But that whole time that, that he was with them, he trained them. But then, you know what he did? as we're going to talk about next week, is he sent them out. He sent the 12 apostles first, and then he sent uh, many of the disciples out to share the God. He sent them out. And then obviously, when he left, when he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit as the helper, but then they were required to go ahead and build his church. The irony is, is they all kind of hung around in Jerusalem, so God had to make let things happen to get them pushed out. But the truth is, is that the saints, which is each and every one of you in this room, if you are born again, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a saint. That's what the Bible refers to you as. That's the identity given to you in the Bible. But the saints need to be equipped so that you can be in season and out of season. We need to be ready to share the gospel at every moment. We need to be prepared to do what God has called us to do. Because the truth is, is if we just get saved and we don't do it, sit on our blessed assurance, then God can't use us. God. It's impossible for God to use us if we won't get out of the chair. Just like when Peter was on the boat, if he wouldn't have took that first step out, he would have never had the opportunity to walk on water. Amen? So let's start in Hebrews 5. Is it, uh... All right, you'll have to slide for me. We'll figure it out later. Oh, oh. oh okay. 11 through 14, it says, when I was a child, can you put it on the first slide? Oh, he's getting there. 
In Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, it says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach to you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who are, have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You know, the reality is, is that when you get saved, you start out as a baby in the Christian faith. And if we look at that comparatively to babies in our real life, we have many of them in the church right now. Matter of fact, it seems like that's our goal. We're like, if we can't get them to come in, we'll just make them in the church. Make new members. But babies, when they're born, they can't digest solid food. When you have a baby, they actually can't digest solid food. And actually, they've done studies now and, and learned that the early introduction of solid foods has been linked to an increased risk of obesity, diabetes, eczema, and celiac disease. We're actually finding that if you give babies solid food too soon, that it'll cause them problems with their health in their life. And the reality is it's just common sense because if you don't have teeth, you can't chew a steak. This is why I recommend to new believers that when they're reading the Bible, they should start out in the book of John and read through the book of Jude and do that half a dozen to a dozen times before they ever get into the Old Testament. The reality is, is that you need to learn who you are in Christ. You need to spend time and learn what God has to say about you. Learn who you are. And, and that's what happens is when we get saved, the miracle takes place inside of us. We're made brand new. We are transformed in an instant but our head takes a little while to catch up. We don't know all of these things. And if you don't read the Word, you'll never know that you're holy, that you're pure, that you're perfect, that you are righteous, that God has a plan for you. So we, I tell people to start in that section because if you don't, if you start in the Old Testament, I don't think the Bible was meant to be written like, to be written, written? Be read like a regular book. If you read the Bible from, the, from beginning to end, one, it's not in chronological order. Two, if you start in the Old Testament with no knowledge of Jesus, with no knowledge of the, the New Testament, you're going to come away thinking this God is kind of an awful person. He's kind of malignant. He's kind of, of uh, he seems like he always just wants to hurt people and cause them harm. But if you don't read the New Testament, if you look at the Old Testament without the New Testament, without Jesus, then that's who God seems to be. But then you begin to realize, if you read the New Testament, you realize that what he's done in his son, you realize what's going on. You find out that no, the, even the Old Testament was always about love and grace and forgiveness. And Jesus was always the plan. The law came around to, to be a tutor to us, to, to teach us what was required, but it was Jesus who finally made those requirements come to pass. But baby Christians are to grab hold of the basis. And if you're not reading your Bible regularly or if you've never read it all that often, like I said, I recommend start in the book of John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament and read through the book of Jude, which is the second to last book in the New Testament. And if you look at your Bible, if you have a paper Bible and not an electronic one like me, that means you're only reading like this much of this much of the Bible. I want you to read that 10 times before you start anywhere else. So you have a complete understanding of what was accomplished in you through Jesus Christ. You have a complete understanding of how much God loves you and what he did for you. 
And Paul right here, he's dealing with some people that should have been past this point. They should have been learned. They should have been studied. They should have known the, the basic things of Christianity, but instead they were slipping backwards, acting like babies. He said, it's hard to explain this to you because you've become dull of hearing. By this time, you ought to be teachers. You still need someone to teach you the basic principles, the oracles of God. If you're a new believer, it's okay to need to know the basic principles, the oracle of God. If you just received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but if you've been saved, if you took that step years ago, I would evaluate where you are right now. If you're still needing to learn the basics, get on with it. Get in it. Move on. Let's start diving in and studying and learning. You guys all have my information. The, the church phone number is my cell phone number. If you ever have any questions and need to talk to somebody, I, I get the, the emails, the information at livinghopefamilychurch.org. I get those. Or you can just email Pastor Wayne at livinghopefamilychurchmarana.org, and I'm more than willing to answer your questions. My purpose is to invest into you guys, to teach, to equip. The purpose of a pastor is to build up the saints. That's actually my purpose. So many people think that it's the, it's the pastor's uh, purpose to preach the gospel. But no, my purpose is to build you guys up so you can preach the gospel. That's what I'm here for. But they had become dull of hearing. In other words, they were unable and unwilling to hear. They didn't want to grow up. Anybody ever met somebody that didn't want to grow up? You ever just wanted to... Anybody... You know, sometimes you just want to shake people that don't want to grow up. I wonder if God ever feels like that with us. It's like I've given you everything to learn. I've given you everything you need to grow. Why are you still where you're at? These people were unable and unwilling to learn. Let's, let's resolve not to be a people like that. Let's be willing to learn. The truth is, is these folks should have been teaching others. But instead, they were still in need of teaching themselves. The truth is, is that our goal with new believers when they come in with people that are young is to teach them, to help them grow. It's actually, you'll notice that then when I preach, I'm, I'm very much a teacher and less of a preacher because I feel like God has gifted me to, to, to share this stuff with people. And that's why you'll have so many scriptures when I preach because I want to invest in people and have them learn. My goal is to, to get new believers built up as quickly as possible so that they can actually begin to teach others, so they can move from the liquid food into solid food. That's one of the things that we believe is important here is raising people up so that they can step out into the ministry. That's why we have John and Monique have stepped up. When, when they started coming, they, they, they were going to a big church occasionally. And then they got here, and, and I don't know if they were, I don't think they regret it now. They may have at the, same, at the time being, because we don't do just come to church. We get involved, especially when there's only eight of us. <laughs> we got work to do. And Joseph and Kathy, they've stepped up, and, and Joseph has been leading the Bible study, and now he was doing the offering, and now he's actually preaching on Sundays as he's growing up into what God has called him to do. And we've just had Nick come on board. He's going to be teaching the Bible study, and he's also going to be helping out with the offering. We have Hugo helping out with the offering and leading. The, so our goal is to raise people up. And if you want to be involved in the church, if you want to get involved in something, there's really only two requirements that I have. One is that you be growing, and two, you be faithful. 
if you're here every Sunday, I'm not afraid to put you anywhere. I'm not afraid to put you to work because I know I can count on you. And if you want to step past that place where you're at, those are the things that we have to do on Sunday morning. If the only time that you hear the Word of God is on Sunday morning, you're kind of missing the point. You're missing the boat. You're missing out on so much that God has for you. Did I say something funny? Oh. <laughs> oh, praise God. We also see that as we grow, we're able to distinguish good from evil. That's why, I don't know if it was like this for you guys, but I think about when I was younger, and I first became a Christian, and I had this laundry list of sins, and, and how I got past them is a different story. Um, it wasn't a buy by having a checklist of not doing these things. It was by spending time in his word. It was by growing. It was by being equipped as I began to have a greater revelation of who God was and who I was in him. As I learned his word more naturally, I began to do the right things because who I was inside began to live out on my outside. But one of the things I noticed is when I, I got started, I had this view of like all these things that I knew were sin and I, God was telling me, these are things you need to remove from your life. And I'm thinking, well, man, if I can just knock these things out, I'm good. But it was like peeling back the layer of an onion. I, I took care of those things, and I'm like, well, where was all this stuff that was behind? I didn't even see this other stuff until God got there. And I think as you begin to grow, you begin to discern what actually is good and actually what is evil. And also, even more than that, some stuff is, is not evil, but God says it's, it, or but Paul, just like Paul said, it's, it's not profitable. And as you begin to, to move further in it, I felt like that every time I would get, I'd get to a new level, I felt like I was finally there and I realized I wasn't. And I had more growing to do and more stuff to do. And I find that even now today, as I continue to grow, God point, puts his finger on different things so that I can set them aside and put my focus on him. But our, our ability to determine if something is from God or if it's not is, is, grows up with us as we become mature in the gospel. I've gotten through one slide in 20 minutes, guys. We're going to, you guys might want to buckle up. <laughs> We're going to be here a while. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, it says, But I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people, but as the people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? He has the same problem in the Corinthian church. Did you know that your actions are an indication of your maturity? How did Paul know they weren't mature? He says, even now you're not ready, you're still of the flesh because there's jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Paul was looking at their behavior and recognizing that there was a lack of maturity in the body. And the truth is, as we mature, as we grow, we're going to begin to act less fleshly. We're going to begin to act less selfishly. We're going to start acting more and more like Jesus and less and less like the men of this world. This is what a preacher once said. He said, most Christians are betweeners. And when he was asked, what do you mean by that? He said, they are between Egypt and Canaan, out of the place of danger, but not yet in the place of rest and rich inheritance. They are between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, saved by the blood, knowing the newness of the resurrection of life. 
Corinthians 13, 11 through 12, it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully as I have been fully known. You know, there's actually nothing wrong with being a child. When you're a child. But there comes a time when you have to grow up. There has to, there's a time when you have to move past where you are. When our children are younger, our help, our, they, they need help with so many things. And those of you with babies right now, you know that. I mean, have any of you guys been laying at bed at night with these newborns and been woken up because they got out of bed and went to the bathroom and they went and fed themselves? Has that happened to anybody yet? Yeah, amen. <laughs> but the reality is, is that when they're babies, you have to take care of them. When they're babies, they actually they, they require our help because if they don't have it, they will die. They will not make it. And that's okay. That's what God put parents in place for. You know, the kids are a lot of trouble. They're a lot of, 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 of work. Someone once said that's why God makes them so cute. So you don't kill them. But they need help with everything. And then when they're very young, but they're growing up a little bit older, they start using one-word commands when they want something. You know, they point up. Daddy, mommy, they just say one word, that's all there is. Because they haven't developed a full vocabulary. They haven't learned how to communicate properly. And they throw fits when they don't get their way. I know none of the kids in our church does that, but, but other kids, they don't get their way, they throw fits. But you know what? If they're still doing this when they're 20, you got some problems. Sometimes a teenager needs to be knocked on their butt. <laughs> no, I got a good son. He's, he's an awesome kid. But he knows if he's not. <laughs> that's, that's why he's a good kid. Parents, don't be afraid to discipline your children. Don't be afraid to swat a butt. I think we'd have much more, much more well-behaved kids if, if we would stop trying to be their friend instead of being their parent. But that's not what I'm preaching about today. That's just something you can add to the side. That's, it is good preaching, just not for today. The truth is, is growing up is about learning who you are. Growing up, as a kid, it's about, when you're growing up physically, it's about learning your likes and your dislikes. You're discovering your new skills, like if you got nunchuck skills. And that's from the movie called Napoleon Dynamite. Never watch that movie. It is the dumbest movie in the entire world. I actually have not finished it. It's so dumb. But it has a few good one-liners. <laughs> But when you're growing up, you're trained to live in a certain way, to, to behave in a certain way. Hopefully, parents, you're teaching your kids to behave with love and with compassion and with respect, teaching them to forgive just like they've been forgiven and you've been forgiven in Christ, teaching them to love like Christ loves you, teaching them to treat others as more important than themselves. And the same is true spiritually. As we grow, we discover who we are in Christ. 
just like our parents mold us when we're growing up, or at least that's how parents should be doing it, molding their children, teaching them right from wrong. Our spiritual parents do the same thing to us. They teach us in the, in, in the ways uh, of God's Word. They teach us about the mystery of God's Word, and you find out that really in the New Testament there's not much mystery left. You guys have heard me say it before. It drives me crazy when people say that God works in mysterious ways. No, he doesn't. His will is made perfectly clear in the Bible. His, clear is, is, his word is that he loves you and that he wants you saved and he's willing to, to be patient about it. There's no, and there's no confusion in, in, in the New Testament when we look at what Jesus did that says that, uh, well, sometimes he teaches people lessons by giving them cancer. You know, people think that when bad things happen to them, it's God working in mysterious ways. It's not God working, it's the devil working. Thank God that there's nothing the devil does that God can't work together for the good of those who love him or called according to his purpose. You'll come out the other side seeing where God moved, but it was never God that did that, and it's not God working in mysterious ways. There's no mystery about what the devil wants to do. He wants to kill and destroy you, and there's no mystery about what God wants to do, and he wants you to be saved. He wants you to live with him for eternity. And it's our job as disciples to make sure that those who are younger in the faith very things. The primary difference between spiritual growth and physical growth is that physical growth, you're discovering who you are, and spiritual growth is already set. It was set in Jesus Christ. And it's instead of it's about us growing into who you already are in him. It's about letting Christ's life live through us. That's what growing up in the faith is about. In Ephesians 4, 14 through 16, it says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You see, the, the real danger of staying a child is that we're never stable on our own. Like we talked about earlier, the babies are never stable on their own. They always have to have somebody take. And that's the danger of, of, of staying a spiritual child, is that you're always going to be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Do you know that children are easily persuaded? Except for Monique's kids. <laughs> it took me like three or four years to get Adonai to give me a hug. No, she still does. Actually, what saved me was they had another kid. So now she, she, she uh, kids fight for attention. So I got lucky. That's what's going to happen. Arrow, now that the new one's going to, he'll start liking me. And then I'm going to have to have you guys have another one. So, so Jackson will start liking me. Hallelujah. Sperm to love me through jealousy. That's my plan. Children are very easily persuaded. That's why we have laws in place to protect them. That's why you'll see that, that predators will try to use candy and all these things to lure parents out of, uh, out of the safety of where they're at and to do harmful things for them. It's because the promise of candy can child of way. That's, that's exactly what we're talking about here is every wind of doctrine. That's when the enemy has plans in place and he's waving stuff in front of you trying to appease you with what sounds better why so many people think it's, it's better to be part of this world because they, they think that the, the passing pleasures of sin somehow is better than the everlasting love and promises of God. 
because they've been deceived. And what happens, just like with, with the kids, they're promised candy and they're given something entirely and awful. The same thing happens with us when, when there's being tossed to and fro and we're being carried away by every wind of doctrine. We're, we're being promised something else and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath people and they're left destitute and broken and hurting. But Paul says that instead of that, we should rather be speaking the truth in love. And every time I preach on this, this particular passage, I always want to talk about it because this is one of the most misconstrued verses in the Bible. And you'll see that people will, 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 will want to tell you something in love when really they're just condemning you or tearing you down. If you want to tell somebody something in love, if they, are, if they are failing, if they're falling in an area, you don't point out and tell them how bad they're being and how if they don't shape up that, that God's going to be angry, they're, not going to have, they're going to have bad things happen to them. That's not speaking the truth in love. The truth is, is that I know you're struggling in an area, but you are forgiven of that. You are free. You are more than a conqueror. You can't be held down by this anymore because it has been defeated. That's the truth in love. The truth is that they are free, that they have been redeemed, not that they're a failure or broken. If you want to speak the truth to somebody in love, that's how you do it. And the reality is that's how you help people grow. Pointing out their failure doesn't, but pointing out Christ's success will always lead them to victory in their life. It's rather speaking the truth and we're to grow up in every way. How many ways? Every way into him who is the head into into the Christ. The reality is is that Jesus Christ is our plumb line. He's our our measuring stick. He's who we're supposed to look like. We need to grow up into him. When you're finally at a level of maturity that Jesus is, you can stop growing. I give you permission. When you get to that point, you no longer have to grow. If you feel like you're to that point, schedule an appointment with me. We got some talking to do. Hallelujah. But we need to grow so that we're stable in our walk, that we're equipped to handle any craziness that comes our way. That's one of the, the greatest dangers to Christians that are young and they don't actually learn the word. They, they hear something on YouTube or some other crazy preacher's talking and, and it sounds good, it, sound, it makes sense because they don't have anything to compare it to. But if it's not in line with God's word, then it's not proper. It's not truth unless it is in line with God's word. But how can you know if it's in line with God's word if you've never read God's word, if you've never grown in his word? And our growth isn't just for individual gain either. Our growth is for the entire body. He says that, that when we grow into Christ from the whole body, joined together and held together by every joint with which when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. He's now talking about the church, how individual growth helps build up the church. And if we're not all growing together, we're going to have areas that we have deficits in. Because like I said, you all are called to and have a purpose. And if you're called here right now, you have purpose in this church. And when we're not growing, if we stay where we're at, we're, not, we're actually creating a deficit. And people don't understand what that looks like. But the truth is, is we've all seen what that deficit in a body looks like. You ever seen somebody that you know skips leg day every week? Massive upper body, but they got legs like a three-year-old girl? Because they have part of their body that's in deficit. And they can't operate properly because of that. 
The church is much like that. We don't want to skip leg day as a church, amen? In Ephesians 4, 1 through, or 11 through 13, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And I'll hit on this quickly. The, like I said earlier, it's not just the pastor's job to share the gospel. Matter of fact, the fivefold ministries, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers slash pastors is to equip saints for the work of the ministry. Our purpose is to equip you up for the work of the ministry. And like I said, you're a saint if you're a Christian. It's an identity. It's not, it's not a special bestowment by uh, uh, some other group of people. You're a saint if you're a Christian and you have a purpose in life. And we will continue to have that purpose, continue to need to build up the body. We all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Like I said, we're not there yet. What to do, we still have uh, to be built up. We still have to grow and we still have to be teaching others. And what we have to not do is get slip back into that mentality that we'll just leave it up to the heavy hitters. We'll just leave it up to the big guys to do because it's all of our people. You guys should be praying for one another. When somebody comes in and they say that they're sick, we shouldn't have to get the pastor to pray for them. You should write that and lay hands on them because it says that the prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. But pastor, saved you are. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Christ has done. You are righteous in him, so your prayer has power, and God hears you, and if we know that he hears us, that he answers us, so if somebody's sick, pray for him. We figure it's the Sunday school teacher's job to teach our, our kids about, about God. Now, I thank God that we have some awesome Sunday school teachers, and they do a great job. But if your kids are only hearing about God on Sunday morning, they're going to be in the same boat as you if you're only hearing about God on Sunday morning. The goal of these ministries is to help believers grow, that we can reach the unity of the faith. But the main purpose is that we help each other grow. And the truth is, is that once you grow up a little bit, you can start helping somebody else grow as well. Amen? 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So one of the things we learned is we need to grow. The question is, how do we grow? One is you come into to corporate situations like this. On Wednesday night, we have the, the Bible study. On Sunday morning, we always have the preaching and teaching of the Word. You can be equipped in a corporate setting. But you also need to spend time in God's Word. The truth is, is that all equipping happens through the, through the Scriptures. Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. The Word of God is not only a love letter from Him, but it's also our instruction manual. They teach us how to be equipped. They teach us how to grow. And in reading the Word, we learn who He is and we learn who we are in Him. And that's one of the most important things you can learn is who you are in Christ. And we do that by spending time in His Word. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of Christ. So when we spend time in the Word, our faith is increased. And the more you trust God, the less likely you are to place your faith in the crazy doctrines of something else or anything else. You know, we use the word in the Scripture, it talks about every wave of doctrine, but I don't think it just means religious stuff. Many people are placing their faith in their government, in their job, in their retirement. 
Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Who wants to be prosperous and have good success? What it says here is that you would have the book of the law not depart from your mouth, but you would meditate on it day and night. And we're not talking Eastern meditation, right? You guys have heard of Eastern meditation, um, empty your mind. That's not what we're trying to do. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about having stuff being emptied. It said if you, if you, if you uh, empty a body of a demon and it leaves and it comes back and it finds it empty and well put together, it brings seven more with it. You don't want to leave your head empty. You get rid of the bad stuff and you fill it with the Word of God. So that way when the bad stuff comes back and it tries to get in, it's already filled. If, you're, if your head is filled with the Word of God, there's no room for, for doubt and hatred and all of those things that the enemy wants to put in your head. The Hebrew word used for meditate can also be translated to moan, to growl, to utter, to speak, to muse. Basically, it means to speak it repeatedly, to always have the book of the law in your mouth, let it not depart. It means you're constantly speaking God's Word. To meditate on God's Word is to repeat it. Preach to yourself. And the key to growing is to spend time in His Word and meditate on it. And when we have the knowledge of the Word of God, then we are going to be equipped for every good work. Amen? John eight thirty one through 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So not only do we need to read it, we need to abide in God's Word. And to abide means to accept or act in accordance with. The word can also be translated to remain in God's word. How many of you know that if you want to abide in God's word, what do you think the, the first requirement is? The logical requirement. You have to know it if you want to abide in it. There's the spiritual requirement. You need to be logical requirement is you have to know it if you want to abide in it. You can be saved and have no ability to... <laughs> And tell me how much time I have left so we don't go too long. And normally, they, people just hold up a sign with numbers on it. Nick draws pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. I don't even know where I'm at now. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. We need to abide in His Word, which means we have to know His Word. And the reality is, is that His Word is truth. And we all know that what the, only the, the truth of the gospel can set you free. But the problem is, is that so many people go looking for truth elsewhere. And people in this world, you ever heard the expression, someone says, well, your truth is different than my truth. I don't even know how that works. Truth is truth. Truth is not subjective. We can't have multiple truths. If, if we both had a truth that was different from one another, then by definition, they can't, one of them can't be truth. Truth is, it is. It's, it's set in stone. It's, it's, it's objective. And truth is found in His Word. That means anything else that purports to be truth that's not in line with His Word is not truth. And I can say that with confidence. So in John 15, 5 through 11, He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burnt. One of the things we see here is that if you want to be effective, and you want to be equipped, and you want to, to do what God has 
uh, for you in your life, then you need to abide in him, abide in his word. Because the scripture says that if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit, but do nothing. But the part that's scary to me is he says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like branches and withered. Branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Now, this doesn't, it's not talking about hell. This isn't an issue of salvation. Salvation isn't about what you do. It's about, it's about receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the reality is it's kind of like the opposite. If you abide in him, you bear much fruit. But if you don't abide in him, if you're just merely saved, then you're basically worthless to the kingdom. of. That's what he's saying here. He says that if, if you don't abide in me, you're thrown away like a branch. And with it. it doesn't mean you're not saved. But it does mean that you're going to be tossed up and gathered to the side. And you're basically only good for kindling if you don't abide in his word. If you want God to be able to use you, you need to know his word. You need to spend time with him. You need to spend time abiding in his word, abiding in him. That's the only way you can be effective in the kingdom of heaven because it's the only way that you can bear fruit. And if you don't, you're essentially worthless to the kingdom of heaven. You're still saved, but you've done nothing. You're going to stand in front of God, the people that are bearing fruit, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And like Dr. Leon says, if you stand in front of him and and you're not bearing fruit, he's going to say, well, done? I don't want to stand before God and have to answer why somebody else did what I was called to do. We will stand before him and give an account, not for sin, not for the grounds of salvation, but if you're saved, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will stand before him and give an account for what you've done with what he's given you. I don't want to stand there. I want to have crowns to throw at his feet. I want to to do the things that God has called me to do, and I've had plenty of times in my life where I haven't done what God's called me to do, and I can't do anything about those now. Paul says, I forget the things that lie behind me, the good stuff and the bad stuff, and I press forward towards the promise of God, and that's what I'm going to do. There's plenty of opportunities that I've missed, some of them that I think about where I've, I've missed opportunities that, that I'm concerned that I may not see that person in heaven because I didn't open my mouth. But I can't do anything about that now. All I can do is move forward. I cannot make that mistake again. And I can abide in his word, and I can produce fruit, and I can be effective. But that's a choice that we all have to make, is to grow in him so that we are effective. So that we're not just tossed in the fire because we have no purpose. In Romans 12, 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and perfect. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed, how? By the renewal of your mind. One, I want you to know this is not just a good idea, this is a command. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You spend time in God's Word. And the reality is that when we do this, we are going to be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. People often ask themselves, is this God's will for my life? If you spent time in the Word and you could tell if it lines up with His Word, you would know the answer to that question. But being transformed by the renewing of your mind requires action on our part. We have to spend time and do it. I wish... It was as easy as laying your Bible under your pillow and taking it in by osmosis while you sleep. But it doesn't work that way. It didn't even work that way for Jesus. One of the things that's interesting about Jesus, he almost always quotes from the book of Isaiah. 
And historians, what they say is that a lot of times in these smaller towns, they didn't have all of the books of the Old Testament, all the scrolls, they would have specific ones. So it's likely that, that the temple that was near Jesus primarily had the book of Isaiah. And that's what he quotes from the most. But he had to spend time and read the Bible just like the rest of us. He didn't just know it from his, from his heart. It wasn't just a gift from God because the Scripture says that he laid aside deity. Even Jesus had to study God's Word. Even Jesus prayed. Even Jesus spent time with him. And if, if the Son of God has to do those things, you can bet we do. Amen? James 1, 22-25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearers who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If you want to be an ineffective Christian, just show up to church on Sunday. If that's all you do is show up to church on Sunday, that's the best way to become an ineffective Christian. The Scripture says that if you are just a hearer, but you're not a doer of the Word, then you're deceiving yourself. See, what happens is we can come to church on Sunday morning, we hear the Word, we get excited because it speaks to us, it resonates with us. And we get excited and we, and we say, we're going to change, we're going to do something, but as soon as we leave, we go back to the way things were. As soon as we leave, it's just like when we left and, and basically... Christianity for us is only for two hours on a Sunday morning. So many people live, their, I know nobody in this church does, but there are people that live their lives like that. And he says what it's like is like looking at your, intently at your face in a mirror. It's like looking at yourself in a mirror and you see what's going on, you see your face, you see the details, you know what you look like. And that's what it's like looking into the Word. You begin to see who you are in Christ. You learn that you're forgiven, you're free, that you're righteous, that you're more than a conqueror, that God has purpose for your life, that you can be effective in His Word. You see all these things, but as soon as you look away from the mirror, you forget everything you just saw. That's actually why Christians, so many Christians have the, uh, uh, people think of us as hypocrites. Because as soon as we walk away, we do the same things that we did before we were saved, before we came to church. The reality is we need to act on the Word. That means lay hands on the sick, pray for the brethren, renew your mind in His Word, speak to the mountains, claim victory in your life, and exercise your freedom. Not your freedom to sin, but your freedom from sin. Exercise that in your life. You have been completely freed from the bondage of sin if you are a Christian. That means that you can live without sin. Exercise that freedom. Step away from those things. Because the folly of being a hearer of the word is to be a hypocrite. And the truth is the damage done to the church by a hypocrite can be great. We see it all the time. We see people leaving the faith because another man, uh, an, a, a, a powerful or, or famous evangelist or preacher has fallen, and we have people that their, their faith is wrecked because of that. Now, on one hand, your faith should never rest on another man. It should rest solely in Jesus Christ, but recognize that what you do will affect others, particularly if they're unbelievers. I mean, why would you want to see somebody that's just a complete 
They, they, they say they, they love God and love people on one hand, and then they just tear them down behind their back on the other. Why would anybody want to be like that? That's the problem we have today is so many, so many unbelievers are like, why would I want to be a Christian? You guys are worse than us. And we'll end here in John 1.43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. The truth is, church, as we're on our, on our mission to be equipped, all we have to do is follow Jesus, follow his example. Because Jesus set the example for his disciples. He said, follow me, do as I do. And he led by example and he equipped them for the work they were supposed to do. And we see the same thing in Paul. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He imitated Christ so that he was therefore a good example to those who followed him. We need to be the same type of example. And we also need, and if you're a new believer, you need to find people that are setting that example and model your life after them. And you have to spend time with them to do that. It's one of the things I recommend that we should be getting together outside of church, spend time with one another. You know, we, we have to, I say it over and over, we're a family church, and families spend time together. Give each other a call. Send a text message. Have lunch together. Have game night together. Put up crazy videos on Facebook so we can all laugh. But when we spend time together, we're teaching each other. We're helping each other grow. We're building each other up. And we're setting examples for one another. Because church, that's one of the most important things that we have to do is to equip and be equipped so that Next week, we can see what the whole purpose of this all is, is to be empowered to do the work that God has placed in our lives. Amen?